All right, let's continue our study. We've been going through James uh, on Wednesday nights, and now we're up to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, and we'll read verses 1 through 12. James 5, verses 1 through 12. I say this in the Word of God. James 5, beginning of verse 1. <clears throat> Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and ye shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Seboeth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, and have been wanton. <clears throat> ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, <clears throat> and he doth not resist you. Verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. <clears throat> Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Verse 12, but above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, and neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Let us pray again. Heavenly Father, Lord, we again we come before you through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, Lord, we think about these prayer requests tonight, Lord God, many physical needs. Lord, again, we think of uh, Sister Judy, we think of Sister uh, Barnett, or we think of uh, Sister uh, Muxlow, we think of uh, Sharon, we think of uh, Sister Pam, we think of Sonny, and uh, Lord, just many physical needs tonight. And Lord, that, no doubt the, the spiritual needs as well. Lord, we think of uh, Brother Wood's uh, brother, we think of his father. Uh, each of us have loved ones and people that are upon our heart uh, concerning the need of salvation, God, and others, that people that we've witnessed to along the way. Lord, take the word of God that they've heard and convict and work in those hearts, we pray. Lord, the people need wisdom tonight. They need, the young people need wisdom in school. Uh, people need wisdom concerning jobs and, Lord, direction for their life. And, Lord, I'm glad that, again, that we can commit all these things to you. Again, uh, we thank you for our missionaries and thank you for, again, the Masons being here tonight. Just continue to use them and uh, bless them. And again, Lord, bless our time together and help us to continue to grow in the truths of the Word of God to be the faithful servants that you'd have us to be, that in everything Jesus Christ would get the glory and, Lord, you would build your local church. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, of course, on Sunday, uh, it was uh, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, so we just celebrate, of course, the great event, amen, of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And, um, of course, uh, we celebrate that all the time, but we had that special day on Sunday. Now, in these verses, right, we see uh, another great event mentioned, right? And what other great event are we awaiting? Of course, we're awaiting the second coming of Christ for the church, 
And remember, uh, uh, it says in uh, uh, Acts 1, uh, 11, remember when Jesus was ascending, it says this, it says, which also said, talking about the two men standing, the angels, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, amen. I like that statement. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall also come, I like this, in like manner, as ye have seen him go in the heaven. You know, and as we think about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, it's very important. Our attitude, think about this, our attitude toward the return of the Lord Jesus determines the quality of our Christian life. Now think about that statement. Our attitude attitude towards his return. You know, how focused we are on that, keeping that before us as we see in these verses. Our theology... What we know to be true about God must become practical in our lives, right? Practical in our lives. Now, I, I, I say it again. He was talking about people drifting. I, I see, I've seen so much of that. Friends of mine, people close to me, and others drifting. Again, I say it, and I don't think I can repeat it too often. Thank you for your faithfulness to church. But again, the most important thing in your life is your daily, active, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. See what you're supposed, we come together on Sunday and Wednesday, but all those days in between and even those days, spend that time with the Lord. And then that time, amen, what God pours into you, we bring it together, amen, and we pour it into each other and we pour it into the church and the Lord uses that to work through uh, the church. So it must become practical in our lives. Bible truth is dynamic and life-changing, but only as we live it out. It's not, it, it's not a, a, a dynamic and life-changing if it just sits there. It's only life-changing as we apply it daily to the various areas of our life, right? On a daily basis. Now, uh, notice again, verse 12. Verse 12, it says, sorry, verse 8 says this. Be also patient Establish your heart. Look at this. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Man, now if somebody else said, hey, I'll be there shortly, and you had to wait around 2,000 years, you'd be like, you know, we get impatient if somebody says, I'm almost there, we have to wait 15 minutes. But remember, hey, it's only been 2,000 years, and it was a lot longer than that before he showed up the first time at, right? In Genesis 3.15, we get the first promise of his coming. He didn't show up uh, um, uh, for 4,000 years, so I don't think it's going to be another 2,000 years before he shows up. But we'll leave that up to him. Amen. But the fact, the fact is that when he's coming, right, we'd like to know when he's coming. But the fact we have to focus on, he is coming and it could be any moment, right? It could be a moment. And that's the way we're supposed to live. So we're not supposed to get caught up in the fact, you know, trying to figure out when he's coming. We know he's coming and we want to live lives that are focused on that. And we want to live a life that is pre for that. Lord Jesus Christ is coming in. And of course, again, after his ascension, as we saw in Acts 11, we give him this promise, this same Jesus. Amen. Uh, he's not going to send somebody else. He's going to come himself 
in like manner. So Christ's ascension reminds us of his second coming. And it's possible to know the truth of Christ's second coming. I mean, we can just know, okay, yeah, we believe that. But again, that's not enough just to know it intellectually. We must, uh, we must understand the truth of it. We must live in that reality. And we must let that truth and reality be part of what transforms our life as believers on a daily basis. So how does the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ affect the Christian? Well, let me ask you this, how it is affecting you. Today, think about that consciously. How are you letting this great truth, the great truth of the imminent return, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ, how are you letting this truth affect you on a daily basis? How is that affecting the way that you live your life on a daily basis? Or you just say, yeah, I, I believe it, and it's way out there. It doesn't matter that it's way out there. We're supposed to live in the reality of it on a daily basis again. Truly, this truth, take it to heart, the coming of our Lord is a transforming truth if we, if we live in the conscious awareness of it. So let's look at some ways that these verses show us that it should affect our lives. One, the coming of the Lord should affect the way we think about our possessions, the way we think about our possessions. It is essential to know why we possess what we possess. Now, we always, you know, we, sometimes we forget how much stuff we have till we have to move, right? Or we have to do something, right? And all of a sudden, we're clearing out a room or we have to move. We're like, man, I didn't realize I had uh, this much stuff, you know? Like being on the mission field, you come back from the mission field and you come back with just a few things and then you're here a few years and you make a move. Like, wow, how did it accumulate so much junk in just a, in just a, few, in just a few years? But we, and listen, uh, we need to think about some of our possessions. The second coming of Christ brings clarity to all that of life, especially to what we think of our possessions. Not just what we have, but how we think about them. And look how he, he, he uh, rebukes the rich men here in verses 1 through 3. Notice this again. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that will come upon you. Now look what he says. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold, and think about your garments are moth-eaten. I mean, you know, you have stuff that you think is so special. You know, I, I've mentioned this before. When uh, you know, when uh, uh, my family first went to the to the mission field, and we thought, well, you know, we'd at least like to try and keep some of our stuff, right? So you put it in, in, in the first uh, place. We put it in storage. We came back, and most of it had been stolen, <laughs> right? I think from the kids in the children's home. So the next time we left it at somebody else's house, well, they put it in, a, I mean, they were good friends, but they put it in their garage. And uh, when we came back, we found out like the, uh, oh, it looked like some of the rats have been trying on my clothes, right? <laughs> and so, you know, ended up, ended up throwing most of that stuff away uh, uh, oh, 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 over the years. And just like it says here, your gold and silver is cankered and the rest of them shall be a, a witness against you. Notice this statement. We're going to look at that. And shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together, notice this, for the last day. So notice there's a warning here about our treasures. And notice that placing, it says, of the heap. Notice those words, heap treasure. Now, this is when you think of a heap, you think of a junk. Well, just heap that stuff over there. But he says, heap treasure here for the last 
days. In other words, <laughs> the last days and you had all this junk sitting around and what did it benefit you? What did it benefit you? This, this thought gives us a great clue to the meaning and application of these verses. We are caught at the end with what could have been and should have been invested in the work of the Lord. In other words, we spent all our money on these things, right, that pleased us instead of spending them on things that please the Lord and help get more people the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, notice that statement, they shall be witnesses against you. Notice that statement in verse 3. Let's look at it again. Your gold and silver is cankered. And the rust of them, the fact that all these things you thought were so uh, special and, and meant something to you, but they went to waste, and look, they shall be a witness against you. That's a pretty strong statement to a, a rich man. You know, hey, hey uh, can you, can you, can you uh, uh, imagine? I don't, you know, use your imagination. <laughs> I don't know that it's necessarily going to be like that, but, you know, uh, can you imagine with some of these super wealthy people and all of a sudden uh, they're standing at the judgment seat and they look out and there's a, a yacht. Say, do you recognize that yacht? Do you recognize that, that uh, uh, a Ferrari? Do you recognize those things? Well, these things are here to be a witness against you. Right? These things are here to be a witness to you. When you stand for judgment, your treasure shall be a witness against you that you chose these things over the truth of Jesus Christ. They're going to witness against you. Hey, uh, again, uh, nothing wrong with uh, having a few things, but if they are your priority, over knowing the truth of the word of God and overcoming to be saved and they keep you from knowing the truth of God, well, one day those things that you were so important are going to be the very things that witness against you in that judgment seat when you stand before God. That's why we're given this warning in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Say this in the word of God. That's why it says, Lay not, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt. Well, it warns against that in Matthew 6, and we see that's exactly what happened to their treasures in James chapter 5, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, amen, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, you hear, the, you hear the people of this world make the statement, paying it forward, paying it forward. Man, they, that is, oh, man, I better, I better stop there. I'll get sidetracked, man. That's a bunch of junk, right? They have no clue. They have no clue. But thank God for those people that do know the truth and that are paying it forward in the right way, if you will. I told you about the, uh, the lady, that, the, 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 the widow that gave the money for Sharon and I to, to go up, up to Alaska. I never expected her to be the one. Matter of fact, she called me today. And uh, 85 years old. Man, I mean, that woman loves God. I, I'd, uh, I wish she'd come visit this church. I wish I could get her out of Louisiana to come here. I would, I don't, I, of course, I wouldn't let her preach, but I might let her stand off the side and just say a little something. <laughs> hey, man, I'd just be honest. I'd probably let her say something. That woman just loves God. That woman just loves God. But she, she, I'll never forget that day on the phone, and she's like, Brother Jeff. She always makes fun because I make fun of the way she talks. 
Brother Jeff, I just wanted to send you a little check, and you know I'm getting older. Just wanted to just wanted to put a little more on the other side before I got over there with my husband. Amen. That's how she said it. Just want to put a little more on that side before I get over there. Amen. And that's what God tells us to do. Amen. Just let's just make sure we're putting a little more on the other side. Amen. Before we get there. So where what's it say there? Where for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where is your heart tonight? Where is your treasure, in heaven or in earth? So if, if, if you live a life with a conscious awareness of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, again, you know, I say it all the time, so many people get caught up on the last days. Hey, listen, uh, uh, let somebody else uh, smart. I, I can't figure all that out. I don't want to try and figure out all that prophecy and stuff. Hey, Amen. I want to be focused not on the last days, but the last day, amen? The last, either my last day by way of death or my last day by way of his coming again. I want to be focused on that, and I want to live in a conscious awareness of that so that guides me in my decision-making in my service for the Lord. All right, hurry up. So it affects our possessions, but it should also affect our patience as we wait. Look at uh, uh, the word, uh, uh, the word uh, patient is mentioned many times uh, here in James. Again, verse 7, it says, look at this. Hey, listen, you see what this, uh, rich, these rich people did? They, they wasted their life, and those things are going to be a witness against them. But as for you, brethren, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Be patient, therefore, unto the coming of the Lord. Right? And then he gives some examples. Behold, the husbandman, notice that, the farmer, the husband waited for the precious fruit of the earth that hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be also patient, establish your hearts. There it is again, that word patient, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You see, in verse 7, James describes the farmer who has put the seed in the ground. He knows he must wait. In God's time, the way the Lord has designed it, the fruit of the harvest will be in his hand. But he must be patient for it. Looking for and loving the appearing of Jesus Christ helps us with our patience in every area of our life. Again, uh, uh, patience is mentioned several times in James. James 1.3 says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse 4, But let the patience have its perfect work, that ye be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And then again, it's mentioned in these verses, that word patience means to endure, of course, patiently, as opposed to losing faith or giving up. Hey, don't, don't lose faith. Don't give up. Hey, he's coming in. You have that promise in the word of God. Keep moving forward by faith. Amen. Don't give up. It will be worth it all. Galatians 6, 9 says this, And let us not be weary in well-doing. Amen. But in due season, right? Hey, we just got to make it through the season. We shall reap. Just like that farmer, amen, if he hangs on there, if we faint not. So like the husbandman reaping his harvest, he's waiting for that precious fruit, amen? And, and uh, in the case, amen, one day uh, uh, the Lord's going to come back and he's going he's gonna to reap his harvest. He knew he's going to reap precious fruit. You know what that precious fruit? That the souls of men. Do you know what you are to the Lord? You're his precious fruit, amen? You're the precious fruit, amen? Every day he comes out to the field. The Bible says he daily loadeth us with benefits, 
right? That farmer, he just didn't sow that seed and then go forget about it. Amen. He works that field, right? Until that harvest comes. And that's what the Lord, every day he wants to come out and he wants to work the field. Amen. He wants to work in you and through you, right? Because you're his precious. That word means valued fruit. You are the valued fruit of the Lord. Now think about that farmer being patient. Whatever it is he's sown. And I thought about this. If someone can be patient in waiting for a crop of wheat, think about that. If someone can be patient in waiting for a crop of wheat, we should be patient and waiting for a crown of glory and sitting at his feet. Amen. Why should a man be more patient waiting for wheat than I am waiting to sit at his feet? Amen. If I know that it's going to come to pass and surely it will. Verse 8 says, establish your hearts. That's why it's so important that we establish our hearts, that our hearts are fixed firmly, right? And let this truth, when we're feeling weary, when we're feeling weak, let the truth that, hey, he could come any day now, and I want to be ready, and I want to be found faithful, let that strengthen your heart, amen, to keep on uh, marching on. Verse uh, 9 says this, grudge not against one another, brother, unless you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. And listen, all the, the judge is standing at the door, and all these, uh, all, all, all the rights that need to be righted will be corrected, and all those that uh, 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 need, to, need to be judged before God, God's going to clear all this thing out. Listen, listen, living in the light of his coming again will just help you in many areas of your life, not just in getting rewards. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, knowing that he's coming again, that helps me in my relationship with people. Hey, uh, again, I've had people that have wronged me uh, since I've, uh, uh, so-called so other Christians and other missionaries and stuff. I've had people that have wronged me. I've had people that have hurt me. And I know, I know there's people out there that, 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 that think things about me that they ought not to think. But you know what? I don't get all caught up in that. I don't have bitterness about that. I don't huff and puff about that. You know what? This is really how I think. I think, well, hey, I'm not really worried about it because one day Jesus is coming again. Amen. And he'll straighten them out. Amen. He'll straighten them out. And listen, they're going to, for eternity, hey, they're going to think right about me a lot longer than they thought wrong because they'll know the truth then. And hey, if I think wrong about anybody, if I got anything wrong, God's going to straighten me out. And whatever I thought wrong about somebody, he'll say, Jeff, you're wrong there. And I'll think right about him a lot longer than I thought wrong about him. You see, that's part of it. Just, that's really how I, how I think when, about when things, those things happen. I can say I can't do nothing about it, but one day the Lord's going to do something about it. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be looking at Jesus. And who cares what anybody thinks? Remember what I said, when you're 20, you worry about what people think about you, right? When you're 40, you stop worrying about what people think about you. And then when you hit 60, you realize nobody ever thought about you anyways, all right? So let's just get over ourselves. I'm glad I'm about to hit 60, amen? Then I'll realize that, amen? I'll finally be over myself, amen, in a couple of years, right? But listen, let's just set all that aside and focus, amen, that Jesus come again and let that help us be patient in our service to him and keep marching on, right? His end is to bring this. Notice what it says there in verse 11, behold, we count them happy which endure. Right? Are you happy? You're happy if you endure. You have heard of the patience of Job. You have seen the end of the Lord. And the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The end of the Lord. Right? One day this thing's going to wind up. Listen, his end 
is to bring you to your end, right? Is it uh, Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, of not to be able to give you an expected end. God has an expected end for you. And in the end, when this thing winds up, he wants to bring you to that end and bring you to himself. I'm trying to hurry here. Look at this. Let's look at this last thought, this last thought. As we think about the coming of the Lord, not only should it affect us concerning right, our possessions, not only should it affect us in giving us the patience we need to keep on marching on, but again, affecting the way we live our lives, our purity, if you will, our purity. Jesus gave us a promise. Again, John 14, 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also." Every personal standard we have should grow out of a desire to live a holy life and to be as pure as God desires us to be. Again, we should, I, I love this statement. Live your Christian life with as few question marks as possible. We're not going to be able to get rid of all of them because there's always going to be people that think something about us. I mean, listen, I don't care how nice Brother Mason looks sitting here. There's people out there going, ah, that Brother Mason, there's, you know. Huh? And I guarantee there's somebody thinking that about you and somebody thinking about, but to the best of our ability, amen, let's try to wipe out <laughs> as many of those question marks as we can. Amen? And listen, people say, well, you know, I heard this. Remember this. Remember this. Here's what you need to tell people. Oh, when they say, well, I know some things about you. I say, listen, you don't know near about me what I know about me. You want to hear the good stuff, come talk to me. Amen? <laughs> listen, you ain't got nothing. I know the good stuff. So, hey, come, you really want to hear the good stuff. You don't know that. So don't worry about what they have on you. I got more on me than they got on me. Amen? So don't worry, uh, worry about it. Just keep marching on for the Lord. But try to live with as few question marks as possible. We are to live our lives under his ruling presence in the light of the truth of his return. Truth of his return. The coming of the Lord is for our purity. And God chooses words to illustrate this again as we finish up verse 12. Right? But above all things, my brethren, above all things, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Be a person of character and a person of integrity. Character and integrity. James, he gave us that promise. Now, 2 Peter 3, 9 through 11 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, Right? He keeps his promises, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So think about this. Slack means he will not be slack to fulfill his promise. And if there is any delay in his timing, it's only that more souls may be saved, that more people, amen, may come to know him. Because why is he long-suffering? To usward. If he, listen, you know, what verse is, what, the delay of his coming why is there a delay in his coming? Why? Because he cares about you. He cares about that loved one you're praying for. He cares about that one that you gave that track to the other day. Amen? He cares about them, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So if his, if his coming has to be delayed, that's a good reason for it to be delayed, so that more that, that we can reach with the gospel. But the day the Lord will come, 
Don't forget about it. It will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and elements and those great things that it says there. That's why it's so important. Uh, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12, talking to that young preacher, but listen, he might be speaking to a young preacher, but he's all, this also applies to every Christian. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. Listen, it's not just my job to be an example. All of us have a responsibility to be an example. And notice what's the worst thing he says, in word. The first thing he says to be an example in is in word, right? Just like it says there in, in uh, verse 12. Right? Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Be an example in truth, in conversation. Again, the way you live your life, charity and spirit and faith and in purity. Psalm 1914. I, I, I think I can honestly say, if not every day, almost every single day, I pray this verse when I pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That needs to be part of your daily prayer. That's been part of my daily prayer for years. Psalm 19, verse 14. Sanctify your speech. Let it be set apart for the Lord. A Christian who is serious about Christ is going to remove any language from his vocabulary that would be dishonoring to God. The hope of his, listen, it may not just be the words you say that's dishonoring, but the way you say it can make that word. You say, oh, that wasn't a bad word. No, but that was a bad attitude behind that word. So it was dishonoring, it was dishonoring to God. The hope of his return provides the transforming power for our lives. Let me finish with 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. Behold! What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now listen, listen, I, I don't know what, we're gonna, what we had to look forward to in heaven. I'm sure it's going to be great. But what, what is there that could be greater than being a child of God? We're going to see more great things, but I, I, I don't, it'd be hard for me to think of anything that would top being a child of God. And you know what? Now are we the sons of God. <laughs> now are we the sons of God. So we've got that great thing. Now it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope, everyone that knows they're a child of God, Everyone that knows he's coming again and one day they're going to be like him. Everyone that knows they're going to see him face to face. What are they supposed to do? Verse 3. And every man that hath this hope, what? Purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You're a child of God. Think about that. God is not ashamed to identify with you. He looks out. He said, oh, I'm so glad that he's my son. I'm so glad that she's my child. He rejoices in that tonight just as we should. But you know, it started off talking about these rich men. Well, you look about all these rich men and how they're trying to change the world and all, everything that's going on trying to change this world. <laughs> Think about this statement. This is a statement. The world or people in the world are doing so much. People are working so hard People are working so hard to make a world better from which to go to hell. People, are, people out there are working so hard 
to make this world better, a better place from which to go to hell. That's really what they're doing. We got to make this world a better place. They're trying to make it just a better place from which to go to hell. I mean, the, the, these statements I'm going to make might sound crazy, but this is really how people think. Oh, I mean, they may not say it publicly, but this is really where they're at. I want to go to hell from a world where all chickens are free range. <laughs> that's about, that's, that sounds wacky, but that's, not, that's where they're at. That's how wacky this world is. I want to go to hell from a world where all chickens are free range. I, I'm not making light of it, but that's really how wacky the world is. I want to go to hell from a world where the ice caps are larger than any time in history other than the ice age. Isn't that where they're focused? Free range chickens, the ice caps. I want to go to hell from a world without borders. I mean, that's really what you're hearing out in the world. That's how sad it is. I want to go to hell from a world that has allowed me to possess a bunch of things. That's really sad, but that's really what they're saying out there. But as we believers, as we, as, but us as believers, we should say, we should say, and why we want them to get saved and be able to say is, I want to live in a world or I want to live my life consciously in the presence of God consciously in the presence of God, consciously with the awareness that he is coming again, right? In the secret places of my life, right? I still want to be conscious that I am in God's presence. So you see, Christians aren't just to ha supposed to have an outlook on life. Say, well, what's your outlook on life? Well, let me tell you this. I really don't have an outlook on life. I have an uplook on life. <laughs> I go through life looking up. And realizing one day my Savior's coming again. And I live my life consciously with a conscious awareness of that truth. Amen? So listen, the world says, hey, you need to have a good outlook on life. Better than a good outlook on life is a good uplook on life. That Jesus is coming again. And we as his children live in the conscious awareness of that reality and say, I want to be ready. Amen? So every day when I walk out that door, I want to be what he'd have me to be. And what I want to do what he'd have me to do. Let's pray.